0: Welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 488 of the world's most dangerous podcast where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Ricky Karcher. Rest in peace. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, once again, Nate. How are you, Nate? How am I? Have you seen those standings? Have you seen
1: the win-loss column besides Cincinnati's name? It's looking
0: good. I'm feeling good ready to talk baseball with you handsome gentlemen. Rock on. Also with us again this week, back again, the pod father,
2: Bill Lack. How are you, Bill? I'm great, man. I mean, how much more fun is it to talk about this team when they're winning? <laughs> <laughs> Have we ever done that before? I don't remember it's, ever it's doing a, that. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> well, let's recap
0: where we are uh, at the moment as we record this. As always, you're getting it in your in your ears and eyes if you're on uh, YouTube, and if you if you are watching on YouTube, hit that like button and smash the subscribe button, and uh, subscribe to us if you l- prefer the audio version as well. Um, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some some numbers here, and then I'm gonna ask you a question. I want each of you to uh, to to try, try to answer this question. First of all, the Reds are 10 games over 500 after sweeping the Washington Nationals. Obviously, America's team would have to win four in a row in our nation's capital. So the Reds are 49 and 39, 10 games over 500. They've won five in a row. They've won eight of their last nine. They've won 20 of their last 24. They have a two-game lead over Milwaukee with six straight games coming up against those same Milwaukee Brewers. My question to you, and I'll throw it to you first, Bill, are the Cincinnati Reds a team of destiny?
2: I hate to put. I don't want to put say anything to that because I don't want to put the bad luck on them, the Mabulu on them. Yeah, you know? they're playing so well. I'm afraid to say anything. I mean, over the last month, they've played almost 800 baseball. I mean, that's big red machine numbers. I mean, it's
0: crazy. Yeah, it's it's completely insane. I agree. I don't want to. I don't know jinx them or whatever. Yeah, I don't. I feel like I don't want to say anything because I don't know how we got here. I don't know if we can stay here, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, but uh, Nate, they seem to be. I don't know. They have some of these, what is a team of destiny? But man, I don't know. Every time I watch them, they have these crazy comebacks every day. I'm like, what's going on here? Nate, I believe you're muted here. This is our first muting uh, related issue of the broadcast. Won't be the last.
1: (laughs) A team of destiny. I think by definition is a team that somehow wins all of Luke Weaver's starts. (laughs) Yes. we start in like two months or
0: something crazy so yes this is a team of destiny and that's because we, we were pitched so well right that's why they've won all those starts yeah era over six or whatever
1: well,
2: the other thing that's amazing to me is it's some it's it's not like one hot guy carrying them it's somebody different every day almost you know? literally yes almost literally yeah i mean i, I like i said was, i was on these the uh, slack channel this afternoon and and I said, you know, I think for the first time since he came up, McLean's starting to scuffle a little bit. He's struggling a little bit the last two or three games, but that means in Milwaukee he'll probably go, you know, eight for twelve and hit three home runs. I mean, right. it, it, it just—you never know who's going to be the hero that day. And what? Senzel, your guy Senzel today, Chad—he
0: was a man today. That was the Nick Senzel game, absolutely. And we may talk about that in just a moment, a little bit. That's it. That's perfectly indicative. Well, let's just talk about it, I guess the Reds in the sweep uh, today. They finished it off. Nixon Zell makes an incredible game-saving catch, uh, and then the very next half inning leads off the t- at the top of the tenth with a two-run home run. That, first pitch, uh, wasn't it? First, very first pitch, just yes. a bomb. And and Nixon Zell's a guy who he's had actually I think that's his third walk-off this year. So he's had some some moments, but he's not. We talk about the great lineup, and he's not. He's not really part of it. And but yet he still. You look at this lineup some days, and literally at least one through eight are, there are no easy outs in there. Right and now. It's, it's really just, uh, you know, I guess we can diagnose this to death, and we probably will, but um, the, the odds that all of these kids would be ready at exactly the same time are off the charts. Uh, no one could have predicted it.
2: And that they would all come up and all be successful. Right. You nobody came up and, and struggled. You know, I mean, Delacruz did. Maybe you could say he did for a game or two, and then you you know you could have said he was struggling right handed, but now he's gone. What six for his last six right handed? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think he catches on pretty quick. Um,
0: Will Benson struggled a little bit early on, but for, been what was he? One for twenty six.
2: One for twenty six. Yeah. Went to AAA, and and boy, you got to like that. A guy that goes down, works hard, figures it out. And then when he gets back up here, gets that opportunity, and he grabs it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Nate, it's not just – we've talked about McLean and uh, De La Cruz, the first-round draft picks, but, you know, Spencer Steer. How good has Spencer Steer been? Not the guy.
1: I, I think Bill might get mad at me if I uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Spencer Steer has been the most surprising piece of this puzzle for me. I, I expected him to be pretty good. I thought he would have a solid, you know, just utility man role. And he has had a utility man role, but he's done it to the tune of a an OPS that's getting close to 900 if he has a couple more, a couple more big games. And those are all-star caliber numbers. Spencer Steer has to use Bill's favorite term, Swiss Army Knife. The Cowboys said it today in the broadcast. He's like, a Swiss Army Knife, but every blade is sharp. <laughs> I, mean, I I don't remember seeing the. Uh, somebody this willing, with no edge, no sort of agenda, he's just like, yes, coach, whatever you need from me, I will do it. But somehow he does it extremely well. How he can play plus defense at five different positions on the field is crazy to me when we've watched other incredible athletes not be able to to, to move from the infield to the outfield at all. It's a disaster. And he just comes up and does it from day one. Um, he His story is just about my favorite thing
2: on this team so far. W- wasn't he predicted to be – the leading hitter, and by, by one of the prediction, the, the- fan Gras. Yeah. So, yeah. so the fact that he's playing very well isn't a surprise to the experts, apparently. Well, I I would say that that ranking was more of an indictment on the rest of the roster than it was. Especially yeah,
1: still
0: being particularly good.
2: That makes Yeah. Well, to but me, the, can, the, can we the, go back to Sinzel for just a second? Oh, I, I would love to talk about Sinzel. Yes, please. Don't you think that if they're going to make a move at the end of July? He is probably the most likely person to be moved.
0: Well, maybe, but what value does he
2: have? You know, I mean, depends on what, what he does between now and the end of July. Yeah, yeah. and he's only playing part time.
0: He's about to get more expensive. Uh, yeah, going forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely, possibly, but again, it's going to depend on what his actual value is on the market. He may be more valuable to this team as a utility guy because he can play a lot of positions as well. Um, which comes back to Steer. You know, uh, if you'd have told me Mr. Steer was going to have these numbers, I would, I would have said. Wow, he's probably uh, in the mix to be starting in the or to be playing in the All Star game as a third baseman. And as it turns out, he's barely played third base this year because of everything <laughs> that happened. And with the unique kind of roster crunch that the Reds are faced with now, what a just amazing stroke of uh, good fortune to have a guy like Spencer Steer, who he's played 17 innings of first base in his entire life before the season, and he started most of the games this year at first base. Not that first base is, is shortstop, but it's still not easy to step in at the major league level and play that position. You put him in the outfield where he's barely played in his career in the outfield, left field, right field. And he's just been perfectly cromulent. And so uh, he's a good athlete. He is, uh, uh, his foot speed is way better than people think. This this guy's a a player. And he's a guy that, is he going to be the star of this team? No, not with Elliot Cruz around and, and probably not with Matt McClain, but he may end up being one of these guys that everybody says, oh, that's the most valuable guy on this team in some ways
2: he's a guy that i just i just think the world of and and i've been trying to come up with an x-red comparison to him and i and i really don't have him you and i were talking about it a little bit on Texan the other night <clears throat> and i said maybe pete just for the versatility and the hitter but he's faster than pete ever was and he, and he, and he is a better defender i think than pete ever was uh yeah definitely so i'm not sure there is a reds comparison to him and and you know and, and he's not Way above the line in any one category, he's just really good at a lot of things. Yeah, well, and those guys are those guys are valuable. That's extremely valuable. Um, so let me let me just throw throw a
0: stat at you here. I guess it's not really a stat, but it's a it's a it's a figure. It's a an it's a anecdote. <laughs> um, our friend uh, at RedsFan underscore Brandon on the Twitters had this uh, had this note. The Reds, of course, have won twenty of their last twenty four games. Only four other teams in the entire history of the Cincinnati Reds have ever won 20 out of 24. Now, I'm going to go through these for you here quickly. Four teams. The last one was 2012, when the Reds should have been in the World Series. You know, the Reds, I think, were the best team in the National League that year. Before that, 1995. That was the year the Reds lost in the National League Championship Series. Maybe my personal favorite. The Braves, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. lost to the Braves in the in LCS. Before that, 1975. Bill, do you know anything about that team? I remember them a little bit. They were okay. Before, right. <laughs> before that, 1940, that wow. team won. That team won the World Series. So again, we're getting way out over our skis, and I don't care because I'm enjoying discussing this. The only other teams that that have done what the Reds have done this year are four of the best teams in franchise history. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised.
2: To the, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm kind of surprised the '73 team wasn't on that because after the Hal King home run, they played such phenomenal ball the rest of the season. I'm I'm surprised they didn't have a streak like that. Well, I think that's an important thing to acknowledge: is that you can play phenomenal
1: baseball for long stretches and still not be playing as well as the current Reds are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but oh, here's, I guess I, I'll send this to you, Nate, to see if you have an answer. I don't think you do because I don't think any of us have an answer. How are they doing it with no pitching? Is the offense just that good? I mean, it is just that good. It's been the second best in, uh, or yeah, the second best in baseball, I think, since Matt McClain uh, appeared on the scene. But how is it this state We keep saying it's not sustainable without pitching, and the Reds have no pitching except for Andrew Abbott, obviously. But uh, take that wherever you want to go with it, Nate. There's been a lot of luck. Um, there were moments
1: in the first half, trace the first third of the season so far, that's the bullpen was lights out. Um, they, more than anything else, I think they just, everybody always talks about how you got to be a professional. You show up, you get your routine, you do the same things every single day, and then the the results will come. This team is almost more than that. Like, they they never think they're losing. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about showing up with this fire and the spark that they carry through nine to five. 10, 11 innings, like no team I've ever seen before. Like you say team of destiny, and that's the kind of things I keep going back to. What they are doing doesn't make sense to me. Like I, I see the players. I see the baseball cards of the guys who've been around. I see these pitchers, and, you know, I don't have a good answer, but there is something happening with this team, and you can feel it in the city. The fans are going crazy. The Slack channel has been electric. We got Bill
0: Lack back in town. I mean, <laughs>
1: unprecedented
0: Everything, times. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Bill, let's unpack that part that Nate just mentioned there a little bit, which is um, sort of that the the outlook of this team or the the way they play the game. You know, the the culture is what they've been calling it. And, and yeah, for years we've I think we've had this discussion on on the show, Bill. Just you know, uh, chemistry is something that good teams talk about in retrospect, that only winning teams talk about their good chemistry. You never hear it about bad teams. And so maybe there's some element of that. But I don't remember a team that seemed to have this much joy playing the game, pulling for each other. When so You know, you, well, Sinzel hits that home run. The dugout's going nuts. And, yeah, it's the the Viking stuff and all that. Or Will Benson hits his first home run. And the place is go- – he's given his post-game interview and the people are standing on the dugout rail waiting for I, I just There's something – I don't know if they're good. Still, I think they're they're obviously way better than anyone expected. But man, I will follow this team all the way. Uh, you know, I'll I'll run through a wall for them because they I don't know they, they seem like they really care. And maybe it's just the kids uh, all that inject that enthusiasm into it. But anyway, Bill, I don't know any thoughts about what we're seeing.
2: But before I get in and respond to that, I, I do want to let's give the starting pitching for the last week the credit it's due. Sadak said today that they were two point eight. ERA started pitching over the last week. That'll work. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that'll play. Uh,
2: Now, I'm not going to tell you that's going to hold. But, you know, if we can keep it somewhere under four till August, when we hopefully get the studs back, I'll take my chances. Yeah. But uh, to answer your question is they do seem like – like the other night when Steer hit the one, I think it was Friday, to win the game. They damn near declothed the guy on, on the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the way, also the way Jim Day kind of keeps his eye when he's doing the interview after the game. When they're coming <laughs> with the big thing of water knows- or Gatorade, he he knows exactly when to back out of the picture.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, he's a
2: pro. But, but they do seem like you know they, they. I think you guys talked about it last week or the week before. You know, they all went to the FC Cincinnati game that one night. There were six, seven of them there. There been there was you know, there's been things of them at the zoo seeing Fiona. Uh, I don't ever remember in my memory, and that goes back a long way. I haven't lost all my memory yet, but <laughs> but I don't ever remember now you know, with social media and all that stuff. You're going to know more about that now than you ever did in the past. But I don't ever remember hearing those kinds of things with any Reds team in the past where they they seem to enjoy spending time together outside of the ballpark. And I think that can go a long way. You know, that's a bond. That's a bond that I think you get more than just playing together.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's something unlike anything I've seen. And I don't know. I'm just I'm just enjoying riding this wave while we can. Let's I'm talk. A,
2: uh, I'm having a fresca.
0: That's <laughs> Joey Votto told everyone in a post game interview. Have a fresca. So let's talk just quickly about the actual results from the the week that was, because I want to use that as a way to talk about a couple of players. First of all, um, the Reds took two of three uh, in against the uh, San Diego Padres. Game one, uh, Spencer Steer, we already talked about him, but a walk-off home run. And then game three, uh, of when, where the Reds took the series, Andrew Abbott, just brilliant again. And so I want to take just a moment, w- because the offense gets all the, all the headlines for good reason. Uh, and we worry about the pitching for good reason, I think. But what Andrew Abbott has done, I know the name that Bill's going to invoke here in a moment, but what he's done in the first six games of his big league career is nothing short of mesmerizing. Um, He's 4-0. I had it pulled up here. Let me pull it back up. There we go. Um, 4-0, a 1.21 earned run average. He has 42 strikeouts, 13 walks. His ERA plus is 400. What's his whip? His whip is... (laughs) 0.884. 0. <laughs> 0.884. That's pretty good. I don't get it you asked, you asked that, I looked over real quick. And I just started laughing. I'm like, that looks made up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm a, you know, he's a he's a University of Virginia guy, so I'm whatever. I've been talking about him. But it's just astounding to me. And, again, it, it, just like the hitters that we didn't expect to be this good this soon, this is a pitcher that we, they've desperately needed him but has gotten way better than we expected, way quicker. Nate, thoughts? Well, my, fa- my favorite stat for Andrew Abbott
1: right now is um, he's averaging more than six innings per start. Um, that is something that this team needed in a bad, bad way. But, uh, with uh, The way the bullpen has been overworked, and we're starting to see some of that trickle down right now. The bullpen has been a lot more uh, flappable than it had in the first few months of the season of late. Um, Andrew Abbott has been just unreal. And that game, that game three you're talking about, what were his numbers? 7.2 in his pitch. I think it was the uh, first time he's gone into the eighth in his pro career, which is just wild. Um, one, earn, or one run, 12 strikeouts, only four hits, and one walk. And that was a, a big, obviously, games at this point in the season can only be so important. But that was a rubber match against a team with one of the most explosive lineups in all of Major League Baseball. Winning that game was going to be a statement. And losing it might have said something, or you never know what could just like get planted in these guys' minds. These young guys are impressionable. Maybe I don't know. Winning that game for me said a lot about how this team was made up. And Andrew Abbott, the rookie, the child, twelve year twelve year years old, says his birthday last week, talked to his parents, <sighs> came out and shut down. a lineup that consisted of Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto. These guys are MVP
0: caliber dudes. And, and if know. you watch him. He just is so confident, which doesn't really surprise me because I remember two years ago watching the College World Series. I mean, I watched him several times that season, but uh, he, he faced uh, the ten- University of Tennessee lineup that was the best offense in baseball that year, and just unflappable. He just looks confident every single second. Nothing ever, you know, you never see anything, uh, any emotion there. And so, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of blown my mind how good he's been, Bill.
2: And uh, I'm assuming you were waiting for me to bring up Wayne Simpson. Yes, <laughs> yes. And his numbers are better than Wayne Simpson's.
0: Go uh, look up Wayne Simpson's start to his career. Uh,
2: he, he was I think 14 and 1 at the All-Star break and his ERA was under 3, I think or something crazy like that, but the Reds had pitched his arm off and he never I don't think he ever won another game in the big leagues. Um I, I was going to say exactly what you said, Chad. He just seems unflappable on the mound. He never seems to lose his composure no matter what happens. My favorite thing was his first start when they, when Jim Day was talking to his dad, yeah. and his dad was saying, "Well, he'll do better here in a minute because he's going to quit nibbling." And right after that, he <laughs> shifted into overdrive. It's like dad got in his ear, you know, and and he yeah. just took control. He's again, as we've said about many things with this team so far, he's just been unbelievably good. I mean, in to a point that nobody – I mean, he's what was it, two, um, six weeks ago or, or eight weeks ago or six weeks ago or so, he was pitching in double A. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think it, it, that's sort of indicative of what we're seeing from all of these rookies, with the exception of that small moment at the very beginning of the season when Will Benson seemed overmatched. Um, since he came back, but all the other rookies – and we're talking about Steer and we're talking about McClain, we're talking about Eli De La Cruz – They have seemed like they belonged since day one. And uh, to have uh, kids at that age, so mature, so confident, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's astounded. I don't know if y'all saw, it's astounded everyone. I I don't know if y'all saw Mm -hmm. the the MLB Network clip of uh, Brian Kenny yesterday, just marveling over how these guys are so good, so quick, and all at the same time. It's just, it's fun to watch.
2: That's true.
0: All right, so then we move to Washington, game one.
2: Oh, wait a minute. Before we get out, of, leave the San Diego series, in, in the blowout game that they got beat in the middle, Williamson pitched pretty daggone well, and the bullpen yeah. imploded. So it, it, the game looked worse than – I mean, his performance was pretty daggone good. He's put two good yeah. performances in a row together.
1: We should probably also touch on that game one real quick just because that's a, 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 there's an return from the IL. And he went 6.2 with 102 uh, 7Ks. You know, I got to bring up my boy Graham. Three then, hits. Yeah, that's that Spencer Steer walk-off. Matt McClain, the two run ball to tie it. Yep. When I think everybody thought that uh, that the game was over. And then Spencer Steer walking it off to win it. And an electric atmosphere.
2: Should not go right. no unmentioned. Ellie had two hits with a double that night. Stevenson had two hits with a home run that night. That was a heck of, I mean, but you're right. And Ashcraft only gave up three hits.
0: Uh, yeah thanks for going back to that game because that is something i wanted to mention uh, that's uh, again indicative of this the never say die attitude here first time in major league history that a rookie hit a game tying home run and then later another a different rookie hit a walk off home run <laughs> first time in the history of the major leagues uh, just and, and there was never a moment there when you think well they're out of it i, I just it, for some reason this team i just sort of feel like well they're going to they may not they may not get there they may not climb the mountain but they're going to try. It. They're going to be scratching and clawing to the end. It's just it's, it's it's fun to watch.
2: Well, you don't turn the TV off before the game's over.
0: No, no. <laughs> uh, you know, and the you do turn the television on when the game is starting. And I can't say that I expected in mid-July that the Reds were going to be must-watch television for so much of, uh, you know, the, the the viewing public. I'm not talking about us. We would have been watching them anyway. But uh, it's just um, it's it's unprecedented. So they get to Washington. Joey Votto hits a home run in the three-two win. As I refuse to let Bill talk over me, um, <laughs> I'm running. I'm running this train. Um, you can squeeze in whatever you're going to say in just a moment. But Joey Votto, is who I wanted to talk about, he gets the, the home run and and showing some signs here in the last uh, week of uh, being Joey Votto. And he said in his post game interview, I think that was the Have a Fresca uh, interview. <laughs> um, he said, "Look, I've been, you know, I've been swinging the bat well." I haven't gotten the results, and you know, he is batting average on balls in play with like forty-eight or something. Um, uh, he said, "But I'm swinging well. It's going to come. It's going to come." And then we're starting to see it. We're starting to see it a little bit. So, uh, Bill, I'll go back to you, and you can digress into whatever you were going to say, and then if you want to have some comments about our our friend Joseph Daniel Votto. Okay,
2: first, you were talking about the the fan interest, and and we weren't. You know, we can talk about the attendance, which is since about since Ellie came up, it's um. The other thing is I've been known to be in a saloon now and again to have a beer, you know, when the Reds games are on, I know that's hard (laughs) to believe. It is. Yeah. But my wife and I were out, we were at a local saloon, local place here by our house uh, last night and watched the beginning of the game. And it's the first time in years where people were actively cheering for the Reds as the game was on. That were sitting there watching. I can't remember the last time that happened. It was almost like being in in a bar on a Bengals game. Yeah. And they, this team lost a hundred games last year. They wait a minute. I, I had a number here. Where was it? Um, four. The number was four. Yeah. Uh, where is it? Oh, we're about we're about six weeks ahead of where we were last year in our win total. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! What a time do to be alive.
1: Do, have y'all had this like looming feeling that the the, the other shoe is going to drop at some point, but then it no. just never does. You look up, and now we're ten games above five hundred. When we got to five hundred, I'm like, "Okay, this is fun. I'm going to love it. Yeah. I'm going to cherish every moment." But something, else, something's got to give.
2: Well, this goes back to what Chad and I were saying earlier. We don't want to put the Mambulu, put the jinx on him. so we're not going to talk about that, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> it's but I've been what? Tell you again. <laughs> I have been waiting for it every day, and just uh, it's glorious that it hasn't come. But, but- to address the Joey Votto the Joey Votto thing I have to admit when he was what 0 for 22 0 for 23 and that was what are you doing Nate you sh- <laughs> your wife your, your wife throwing things at you already <laughs> she thought you were about to ask for Joey Votto slander if he came in hot but yeah I have to admit I was starting to be concerned but that was before he had gone public with saying I was having good at bats I wasn't getting the results it's coming if Joey tells you it's coming Believe him. Believe Joey. You know, now he may say that, you know, when he's over for 46, you know, you know, at some point you have to disbelieve, but I'm not, we're not to that point yet, but of, it's, it's kind of tough when he's over 22 or 23 or whatever he was to, to continue to. to yeah, believe. Friend of the, right.
1: Friend of the program, Jason Linden, I can't remember the exact stat, but he pulled one up uh, a couple of days ago and it was essentially saying, Joey Votto, and to paraphrase, he has the, by far the highest hard hit ball percentage on the team, and he has by far the lowest batting average on balls in play. I guess crushing balls. He just ran right Yeah, right now.
2: Wow, I would never have guessed that in a million years.
1: So thank you, if, 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 Joe, if Joey says that he's close and he's getting good swings, and then you see he pairs that statement with those numbers, it's kind of undeniable. And look what he's oh. done in the past few days.
0: And look at his numbers now. You know, he's he's played 13 games is all, but and he's only hitting 205 for those of you that care about batting average out there in Middletown. But 340 on base percentage, 545 slugging, his OPS plus is 129. And yes, yeah, small sample size, and he raised that a lot in the last couple of days. But also, no, let me kick in real quick. Small sample size, nothing. He's been doing it for almost 20 years. You're right. The, the
1: biggest sample size.
0: <laughs> You're right. Bill argue with us.
1: Nope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is not one. You're not going to take that bait, are you? All right. I was born on (laughs) a day, but it wasn't yesterday. Game two of the Washington series, another person that we probably need to have a discussion about, who we have sort of avoided having a discussion about for reasons. But game two, the Reds win. Jonathan India hits two home runs. Reds win eight to four. Um, Again, I was happy to see that. It was a brief moment of... uh, Excitement and what's been a really rough stretch for Jonathan India, and um yeah, I don't want to have a, a, a larger conversation about India necessarily right now. But the conversation I want to have is: is there any justification whatsoever in this lineup full of guys that mash to have India hitting third? I, mean, I just I can't come up with any justification for it. Uh, I'll uh, Bill, I'll let you take that
2: one. Steer should be hitting in the three hole, or or, or Ellie should be or Ellie should be hitting in a three hole, and Steer should be hitting in a four hole. Yeah. And you drop oh, India six or seven. You know, and, and you know the thing is, in in the past, you know, guys would get all bent out of shape. I don't think this team cares where they hit in the lineup. I think all they want to do is win. I, you know, yeah. I, hell, Benson's hitting what ninth most days. That's a pretty good number nine hitter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and to that point, I don't think India would, would care. India is sort of the leader of this rah rah. You know, it's we're all all for one and one for all. Um, I, I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, well, there's a lot of things David Bell does that don't don't make a lot of sense. But that's one I can't figure out. Nate, what do you, thought, what do you think? Yeah, there's a pretty good argument that
1: only Tyler Stevenson and whichever other only only Reds catchers should ever Bant lower in the order than Jonathan Indy, if you're just looking at the stats, if you're just basing it on the numbers. There could be something else there. There could be something in the clubhouse with the way he is, you know, quote-unquote leading this team that makes David Bell want to put him there. I don't know how that would work. I don't know what that thing could be. But he looks like he might be coming out of it a little bit. Uh, The Cowboys have been talking about how his swing is leveling out, um, which is kind of what he was doing early in the year, and he seemed to have made some adjustments – that were not working when he got put in the three-hole, trying to be more of that power guy that he was – that he tried to be last year with little to no success. If he can start taking those leadoff man approaches in the three-hole with the pop that he has behind him, I think that that could turn this lineup into about the scariest thing that the National actually seen in some time. But that said, no, it shouldn't be back third. You don't – he's he was- taking a bats away
2: from Spencer Steer, and that's criminal. When he was when he was really struggling, it looked to me like he was chasing a lot of stuff up in the strike zone, uh, and, and wasn't getting wasn't catching up to it.
1: Well, that's another reason he shouldn't be batting third because Matt McLean, bat second. I don't know if you guys have noticed. That guy just mashes fastballs up in the zone. <laughs>
0: it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I've never seen anybody hit more fastballs up in the zone. Uh, game three of the. Uh... Nationals Series: The Reds win nine to two. Uh, two guys I want to talk about—well, three. First of all, uh, another home run for Joey Votto plus a walk. Um, I want—I want Nate to uh, wax poetic in just a moment about a second consecutive good outing from Graham Ashcraft. Uh-huh. But I want to talk about Ellie De La Cruz. We spent too far too little time uh, talking about Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, so, Nationals manager Davey Martinez. Complains about the knob on the bottom of Ellie De La Cruz's bat. It's evidently a bat sensor that, you know, to whatever. It was approved by MLB, I'm told, before the season or before his first game, I guess. I don't know. Well, he complained about the umpires making him take it off that first at bat. And uh, so, how does Ellie respond? A mammoth light tower home run where he turns and point, as Bill was showing, if you're watching on YouTube. Bill Short, he pointed at the the bat knob to the Nationals' dugout. They got no, some. No, 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 no.
2: He pointed at his own dugout, according to the Enquirer.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay, that's could be could be. I, that's not as nearly as
2: good. It's not nearly I'm as good. As good, good. But- <laughs> I like the way. I like that the Reds when they celebrate, they're doing it towards their own dugout.
0: I don't care. I mm-hmm. want them to. I want him to rub the other team's face in it. That's what I want. Um, and I encourage them to do more of that. I'm just trying to get Bill riled up here. I'm sorry. I don't believe any of that. Um, so he also has two doubles yes do. in, in the game. <laughs> he also has two doubles in the game. And um, just, uh, just uh, again, he looked at one point like, well, he was struggling a little bit at, with right-handed pitching. And and Bill put it the right way. There's, If I ever see him struggle doing anything, I'm just going to assume at this point that he's going to figure it out. Because every time he's looked like he didn't have something, and this goes back to the minor leagues, you know, he he, he was striking out too much. Somebody mentioned it to him, and he's like, "Oh, okay, I'll stop doing that." <laughs> I mean, it's it's the craziest <laughs> well, like, I've thing I've ever seen. Right. Uh, so I, it's just it's it, I am constantly amazed at that kid. Uh, and, and well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off the uh, the home run derby everything for just a moment, but. Um, That was fun to watch, I guess, is what I'll say. Now, Nate, I want you to talk about Graham Ashcraft. You can also, if there's anything you want to say about Ellie, you're certainly welcome to do that as well. But how big is it? We talked about Abbott, but how big is it that Ashcraft, who had been struggling hard and not looking good, uh, has come back now and is showing some some flashes? That could be huge for this team.
1: They have to have somebody else step up. They need Hunter Green to come back and be the Hunter Green we know it can be. They kind of need Nick Lodolo to come up and be a legit number two. If Abbott's going to be that 2-3 guy, or that, that number one guy who keeps up what he's doing now, then the ceiling for this team goes through the roof. But if Graham Ashcraft can come in and solidify the middle to back end of this rotation, it, it, it just changes the trajectory so much. Um, I was worried. I did not show it very often because I have firmly planted my flag on Ashcraft Island, and I have to stick to that. <laughs> I'm mad at my convictions, but I was getting a little nervous. Then he, uh, he comes back against Atlanta after a couple weeks on the injured list, and he got beat around. I didn't put too much stock into that because the stuff looked good. He's locating the well. Atlanta's just really freaking good. They've The one team that's been hotter than the Reds over the last month or so. But then his last two outings, um, 12.2 innings pitched, two earned runs, nine Ks, the walks are down, strikeouts are up. I don't know if he's back and back because you can't read too much into a weird Padres team that has one of the scariest lineups ever, but for some reason can't do baseball things. And a Washington Nationals team, which is one of the most poorly managed ball clubs I think I've ever seen. But nobody on this planet outside of, maybe his family is gonna be happy for Graham Ashcraft. If you're doing Graham Ashcraft things. He got the you know, the smelling salts, they go bad after a while. So somebody got him a new, <laughs> a new bottle. He's sitting it in there. We're making things happen.
0: You know, what I what I liked about it, again, I I, I desperately want to believe that he's the guy that uh, Nate hoped he w- was going to be. But what I thought was interesting in the start against Washington, again, Washington's not a good team, but he struggled early on. He struggled with his command, and he figured it out. In-game adjustments, he figured it out and ended up having a good start. So I think that's encouraging. Bill, any thoughts on Ashcraft?
2: Um, so one, I want to go back to the middle game of the uh, Washington series, or the, 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 the second game. Kennedy pitched pretty well for a guy that was pitching in the independent league, uh, you know, a couple, you know, a month ago. Um, hats off to him for that. Um, um, Ashcraft, like you said, he struggled the other day in the first couple innings and he's grinding through, got through both innings. I think he maybe had given up one run early. I can't even remember that for sure. But by the third inning, he started rolling. And the only thing got him out of there was, was pitch count. I mean, he, he was never in trouble again. Um, two other things before I forget them here is uh, after Martinez did that and, and De La Cruz, then he gets the nerve to go in the media and says he didn't like what De La Cruz did. Right, right. Get out of here. In my house, we have a word for that. It's called douche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the other thing is on Abbott, something I just thought of. You did, you did see Jim Palmer's quote about Abbott, didn't you? Oh, no, I didn't. I guess somebody, when, I guess he was in the TV booth. Palmer came over to the TV booth in one of the games. And he said, somebody told me this guy was not going to be any more than a number four. I said, if he's your number four, you're going to win a lot of World Series.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not just one. No, that's a fact. Um, yeah, so again, um, pitching, 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 but uh, some encouraging signs, certainly. This week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, today was the Nixon Senzel game. We've already really talked about that. So the Reds get the sweep. Uh, not a whole lot of other news off the field this week. Um, the Reds did designate Ricky Karcher for assignment. So uh, Godspeed. Moment Thank you for your service. Ricky. Yeah. Um, hold save. He did. He did. Alexis Diaz this week was named the Reds' lone all star and i thought it was interesting or certainly completely deserving of it uh, tied for the big league lead in saves and just has been yeah he, when he when he struggles a, t- a tiny bit you think oh gosh what's wrong because he's usually so good uh, like in today's game for just a moment you're like what's going on here um so he makes the all-star game, all-star team his first all-star game his brothers made a couple and uh i just think it's interesting in a year where the reds uh, offense has been has gotten all the headlines. That they're only all-star representative as a pitcher. I think you could have made uh, arguments, and I did make arguments in print for uh, some others. Spencer Steer is one. Um, TJ Friedel, who may never get another chance. I, I hope he does, but TJ Friedel ranks uh, number one, number two in just a ton of categories for uh, uh, National League Center fielders. Uh, Matt McClain. Uh, you obviously can make a, a case for it. I think you make a case for Ellie la Cruz. Um, I was, I'm not sure what to think about it because Ellie la Cruz, the other news of the week is was invited to participate in the home run derby at, at all-star weekend out in Seattle. And he declined the invitation uh, after talking it over with his uh, agent and discussing the, again, his agent, Scott Boris, uh, but they discussed number one, you're going to make, Six figures, it's a big payday if you go out there. That's still to him. That's yeah, still big money, you know. Um, he uh, Also, they talked about the publicity that he would get out it on the national stage and how it could increase his marketability. And then they talked about how tired he was going to be and how exhausting not just the flight is, but the actual competition and that it would maybe detract from his performance with the Reds. And he turned it down. I thought a pretty mature move. Selfishly, I wanted him there because I want to see him smashing dingers and beating everyone else in the big leagues. But a really interesting uh, decision. Nate, did it surprise you? A little bit. Um, The uh, the sheer baseball fan, the guy that just wants to be
1: glued to the home run derby, would have wanted him to play. Kind of like you said, the Reds fan in me is happy with the decision he made. Also... Important for context, though was like at the time because he, he had an incredible series against the Nationals. But leading up to that, he'd had a rough few games, and there were, there was some buzz around. You know, people love to hate in this world, so people were like yeah, you are people say, "Send me back down. He needs more time. He can't hit. He can't hit lefties or whatever." Well, may, maybe that played into it. I don't know, but I think I'm always going to be torn. I hope we get to see him in ten more of these things later on. But the guy's been in the major leagues for. Six hours. Let's let him figure
0: that out first. Well, Bill, I want to get your, your your thoughts, but first I want to say this: the fact of the matter is, he's going to be forced. Well, not forced. You're never forced, but he's going to be forced to fly to wherever the All Star Weekend is. Looks like many times. Okay, he's going to have his opportunity. He's not just going to be there for the Home Run Derby. So I think we're going to get a chance to watch him. Uh, if, if that if that guy never makes an All Star team, I will eat my hat. You heard it here first. Bill,
2: thoughts on uh, him not uh, declining to participate
0: in the home run whether
2: Whether he did it for the reasons he stated or not, I like the fact that he did it. I, I also think he's only like like Nate said. He's only been up here for a minute. I, I don't want him out there. I, Todd Frazier said he didn't want him to do it, and and I'm not a home run derby guy anyway. I've never watched the home run derby. Uh, I've watched. Parts of it. But I've never sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end ever. I, to me, I, it's like bad. It's batting practice. I don't care. Um, Once again, you're wrong, as you usually are. Every time I am never
0: wrong. Wrong about everything. I love I, the home you, even when I'm
2: wrong. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Confident about it.
2: Um, I, and and. The other guy's not making it. I, I think Steer will always have a chance to get, you know, you know if anything, his versatility is going to be a problem for him for making the All-Star team. I do feel bad for Friedel because I think he's having a career year. He'll probably never have another year this good. And this may have been his only opportunity. And and I feel bad for him. But when the team's playing this well, I don't want them out there. I want them here concentrating on for the second half of the season. And I know that, you know, but you you don't. Get any closer to winning the pennant at the All Star Game? It's true.
0: It's true. I I don't think you can really say that any of the Reds were snubbed, uh, despite how great the yeah. offense has been. You, you know, uh, McLean's not been here he, what forty five games.
2: Well, yeah, I, I forgot to say that. that, that, that the the, the McLean and that's the other thing with McLean and and Ellie is they haven't been up long enough for me to be real serious consideration. Right. Uh, right. S-
0: steer, steer. I think you can make a good case. I'm still hopeful that. At least one of these guys will get – because, you know, there's always injuries. There are always uh, replacements. But Friedel's the one that I'm hoping for because he's, yeah. he's the sort of uh, prototypical uh, – comes to the big leagues late, may have a, a short little peak here where he's pretty good, but we don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, and so yeah. this may be his best opportunity. I, I'm, I really hope – because he's been dynamite. He's been absolutely yeah. dynamite. Oh, yeah. And so, well, yeah, would love to see him get an opportunity. Nate, thoughts on the quote-unquote snubs? Friedel is the
1: one for me. Um, Would have loved to see McLean in there also, but probably not if it meant that we only got one to more Friedel. If you just go by the stats and just go by position, and we all know that's not the case. It's, it's name recognition. It's the market you play in. TJ Friedel has been either the best or second best center fielder in the National League, no matter how you shake it. There are, there are other guys out there that have played more positions, that have played some center, but more of other positions. There are guys that hit for more power, and there are certainly guys that – our name, Mookie Betts. T.J. Friedl has had a better year than all of those center fielders. Brandon Nimmo is the only one, center fielder specifically, that has had maybe, you can argue, is having a better year than T.J. Friedl. So that stings. One thing I want to post to you guys is the uh, this is kind of blowing up on Twitter a little bit. Do you want Diaz Lexus Alexis Diaz to
0: pitch in the All-Star game? No. No. Not at all. I, hope I, we don't we I don't even want him to go, but... <laughs> No, I, I I want him to I want him to go and wear that uniform and enjoy the festivities and just rest the entire time because he is he's showing some some uh some wear. He's tired. So well you guys want to answer some pure mail questions? There's a few that in here that are pretty interesting, I think, that are into some good conversations. So these questions, as always, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi, where you too can uh, join the conversation. And uh, Bill mentioned it earlier, but for the uh, low price of $2 a month. You can get, get a discount if you go yearly on that. You get to join our Slack channel, and it has been what Twitter should be. It's a bunch of guys having fun together. Nobody yelling at each other. Um, we're just all talking Reds. Not just Reds. There are channels for everything. For example, we discussed briefly the latest Indiana Jones movie, which I, I saw uh, this past, uh, saw on independence day. So, um, lots of stuff. Come join us. First of all, if you join the, if you join the crew at a certain level at patreon.com slash riverfront you get to join the beer league softball team. We have a new member this week, although somebody's about to correct me because I feel like we've shouted him out before. And he's, I don't know uh, if, if I'm saying that wrong. And you're, you, you were here and then you left and you didn't come back. Mike, I'm sorry. I, your name shouldn't seem familiar, Maybe it's just because of interacting with you elsewhere, but Mike Bittenbender. Mike Bittenbender. All right. Don't what do do not watch the YouTube video of this because Bill's saying insane things, writing them down and putting up to his screen. Um, Mike Bittenbender. Mike, thank you so much for joining the crowd. Um, you should have received your Slack channel invite. And um so uh what what position is Mike playing? on the beer league softball. I have, I have a thought, but I'll, I'll let you guys weigh in. What do you think?
1: Go ahead, Nate. I, I haven't gotten any major inspiration here, but first, I do want to acknowledge it. That's an awesome last name. I love it. Incredible. Yeah. I feel like you already played in the majors at some point. Um, well, I'm going to go slick fielding. Second baseman who has a weird three year span where he's got a lot more pop than he ever did before, a la Brett Boone.
2: He's on steroids.
0: <laughs> we we
1: well, we're not going to say
2: that. No, we're not. Yeah, we're not accusing him of that.
1: We Strangely. don't test
2: in the beer league. See, I see him, I seem as a crafty reliever. You know, when, when, a, when your starter can't get the ball over the plate anymore and you bring this guy in and he's got a really weird delivery. You know, he starts with the Johnny Cueto softball, you know, pitch.
0: There we go.
2: You know, he's a crafty guy, you know. He, or he pitches, he, you know, he gets about 12 feet of arc on it and drops it right on the plate. I'm
0: going to have to pull rank on you guys here because I, I, I think something different about Mike Bittenbender. I think uh, Mike Bittenbender is 12 years old. He broke his arm last summer, and when he came back, he could had this incredible fastball. <laughs> and his pitching coach can't get his name right. He keeps calling him Garden Hoser, and uh, what else does he call him, Nate? Ross Magger. Run a Mucker,
2: Run a Mucker.
0: I think that's what it is. He's the twelve year old superstar pitcher for our big league softball team. <laughs> that, of course, a reference to the movie. Um, rookie of the year, rookie of the year. Um, So uh, anyway, Mike, thanks. Um, uh, We, we just, we we cherish your name. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, First question comes from Kyle Kapler. Kyle Kapler asks this on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the worst. How urgent is it that the Reds hash Brown get the pitching at the end of the month and why? Now, we've danced around this a little bit so far here, and I was waiting for us to get to this question to really dive into this. The starters have pitched better. They should get Green Lodolo back, but I don't have much faith in the rest of the rotation besides the big four. I think James Paxton is the guy I have in mind. Remaining healthy aside. So I guess there's my question here. Get the pitching. And some people are suggesting now that the Reds need to just wait. Need to just wait until they get... um, Green and Lodolo back. Now, best case scenario, Green and Ladolo back early August, I think. So we still have a little little ways to go before that. It, it To my mind, the Reds, it's imperative. The Reds get some type of a veteran starter at the All-Star break. It may not be possible because the price, a lot of teams are going to be looking for starters. But I just, I don't see with the lack of depth and the lack of, yes, Green and Lodolo are coming back. Are we sure they're not going to get injured again? Are we sure that they're going to be good immediately? Uh, are they sure? You know, there's so many unknowns, and when the margins are so thin, when you're depending on, we have no depth in the pitching staff. You're bringing guys out of the independent league, finding guys wandering around a cornfield in Iowa, and and putting them on, on the roster to pitch a few innings. But yeah, they, they have to, get, they will come. Yeah, if the if if you're the Reds are serious about competing right now, and they have to be serious about now. Everybody's going to say don't mortgage the future, and I'm not suggesting you sell off everybody to to to, you know, uh, get whoever, but you don't, these chances don't come around all the time. The rest are 10 games over 500. Okay. You know, in 2012, they weren't this far over 500, the all-star break. They need to improve the team and the one area where they have to improve the team is pitching. So I think they still have to get somebody. Am I wrong? Bill, tell me how I'm wrong.
2: Well, when we haven't touched on this today is the bullpen got better this week. We got Derek Law back. We got Santeeon back today. That improves the bullpen dramatically, I think. Um, I I would agree with you about the pitching, except I have two caveats. One is we're at least a year ahead of schedule. So I'm not willing to to to, to mortgage the future. It depends on what everything comes down to cost. You know, if we could get a reliable starter for Nixon Zell and somebody in double A, okay. But do you want to trade CES to bring in a pitcher? See, I saw two different headshakes there, <laughs> and I'm with Nate. I, I wouldn't.
0: Well, he, he you know, you were saying, you
2: were saying you know, how do we know Abbott or, or, or Green and, and Ladorla won't get hurt again? How do you know? How do you know the guy that you're going to trade for isn't going to get hurt the first time he pitches? And well, here's
1: know? here. Let me say something. Real. Here's the one problem we're going to have is. The trade deadline is going to come and go before Green and Lodolo are back on the field. That's true. So you can't really count, for them, count on them for anything at this point. We'll be hopeful, and we certainly will be. Um, a lot of people like to say that we're ahead of schedule, and I think that we—no, none of us on this podcast expected the Reds to compete this year, and they are. But who's who's to say next year, I brought this up last week, that the Cardinals and Cubs and Brewers are all going to sneak again. Like they it all be good next year. Nobody expected them to be this bad. So you don't really get to choose when you compete. I think that sometimes the season dictates when you need to push the chips, if not all in, a little closer. So I said no to CES. I would trade anybody in double A. I would I would trade some of the spare parts in the Major League roster and anybody in double A or lower. There's a couple of guys I'd be sad to see go. But to answer the question, must they do it? No. Because this is a team of destiny, baby. <laughs> why Mess with it.
2: You know, you know, I love it. You know, Nate, when you talked about, you know, th- th- we don't know what will happen next year. They may not be as, you know, the other teams may get back. I think the per- the perfect example of that is Cleveland. I mean, last year they were very good and very young. And this year they're struggling.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's why I use the term. I hate the term, even though I've used it. I hate the term. They're ahead of schedule. It, and I've said it a, a ton of times this is the schedule now. Okay. Yes. We didn't expect it this soon, but this is where we are now. And so you have to take advantage of the opportunities when you get them. Uh, I would absolutely trade Christian Encarnacion strand without question. Now, am I going to trade him for some guy the Reds have for the next three months? No, but if you get get a guy that the Reds are going to have control over for the next two or three years. For, yes. Yes. I, I would absolutely make that deal depending on who it is. Obviously, um, everything's depending on who they get in return. So, um, and that's the type of guy they need to be trying to get. Now I don't know if any of those guys are going to be available, right? You, you, you just don't know. So, but I would not just blankly say I wouldn't trade um, any player except for well, Eli yeah. De la Cruz. I would never. Tra- He's the first person since Adam Dunn that I would that I think is needs to be untouchable, just because I adore him. Nate, go ahead. Yeah, and we do talk about prospects as, as as people that are going to be involved in one of these hypothetical
1: trades, but. If you're so big on CES and Noel De Marte that you don't think they should be traded, well, they're going to play somewhere. So those, those holes have to open up somewhere. So that means you're getting rid of somebody on the big league roster. Who do you want to see gone on the big league roster? Nick Senzel, Jake Fraley, Kevin Newman. Well, you're not going to get anything much from Senzel or Newman unless you package them with somebody else. And you hate to lose a guy like Fraley who's been so valuable this year. So we're going to have to hope that we, we've proven or Nick Cross has proven
0: that he can get a return on good players.
1: can he do the same thing to to finish this roster up?
0: Let me let me flip that around just a little bit. Um, first of all, I've said it 100 times on this show, prospects are only valuable to the team in terms of what they can deliver for the big league club, either as a player at some point or as what they can bring in trade. So I, I don't care about trading any of them if they can bring something that we think can help. Um, Nick crawl proved to a lot of people that he could trade away Big league players for prospects, but now can he do do it the other way around if he needs to? And I don't know, maybe, you know, he's, uh, I'm optimistic based on his his last 18 months of work, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch what happens next four weeks. I'm also
1: optimistic that he said a bunch of pretty vague comments about how he's getting a lot of phone calls, but there's been no traction. Good. I do not think he should sell the farm for some of these names that have been bandied about. But if the right deal is out there, and he can find it. You kind of have to, kind of have to go for it. No, you don't.
0: They're the team of destiny. They don't need it. You already said that. That's how many times the Reds have made the playoffs in my life. You just, you need one more, right? You should be, you should be older then. <laughs> no, don't do that. It's not, it's not fun. I, I don't have enough fingers for how many times they made the playoffs and bills like that. So Kyle's <laughs> question was: on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the worst, how urgent is it that you get the pitching? Uh, 10 being the worst. I'm not sure I understand that
2: scale. The um, most, the, the, 10 being the most you, the most
0: urgent. Okay.
2: The most oh, dramatic I, need.
0: I think it's eight, eight or nine. It's a seven, six. How, how do, do you all live with being so wrong all the time? Just agree with me and we'll be happier. I'll be happy. We just don't don't talk to you except for an hour and a half on Thursday night.
2: There ain't nothing worse than dealing with a lawyer. I'm
0: telling you. (laughs) (laughs) Seth Shaner. Seth Shaner says, I made the comment on Twitter the other day that while it was fun to beat the Nationals, I felt badly for their fans. This is because they are what the Reds were a year ago in a lot of ways and somewhat like what I feared the Reds would look like this year. How lucky are we to be witnessing this masterpiece of a season? Well, we're very lucky, and I'll let you all comment on that, but I don't feel one bit of – I don't feel sad at all for Nationals fans. Nope. They they got a world championship in the, in the recent past. You, you know, I, I'll deal with the nonsense if you get a championship out of it. Nate, what do you think? Don't feel bad for them at all. Uh, won,
1: won that World Series recently, like you said. I've got a few Nationals fans in my life, and they're all uh, temporary Reds fans, it seems like. Um, they're all coming out of the woodworks, big alien supporters. And also, I went to a Nationals game back in. I've been to quite a few, but specifically, I went to one in like 2009 or something. And the Reds were terrible because the Reds are often terrible. And I was wearing a red shirt. And as they were leaving, the Reds got beat. People in the stands were heckling me. I'm like, you guys have had- – <laughs> I've been teaming this franchise since the day I was born. You've been a fan of this franchise for 30 minutes. <laughs> Shut up and go, leave me alone. But screw you, Nationals fan.
0: Singular oh. handling guy. He was rude. <laughs> How dare he? Um, Bill, I want to give you that last question there. How lucky are we to be witnessing this masterpiece of the season? That's basically what we've been talking about the whole time, right?
2: Yeah, very. I mean, it, it's, it's been amazing the amount of fun. It, and I, we're, you know, halfway through. Let's keep the magic going. I mean, Brink. rolling, rolling Brink. into Milwaukee this weekend and win a couple games and – Go into the All Star break yeah. and come out and win a couple more, and we didn't really talk about that much. We didn't really talk about it at all, you know. And, and that's the other, just a something else that just percolated through. We talk about how bad our division is, you know, and, and how bad the records are and everything. But the teams the Reds have been beaten for the most part are not bad teams. They played good ball against good. Even though the series they lost against Atlanta, those games could have went either way. I ran into a Braves fan at a restaurant. The night, of, and I said, That was a great series. He's man, that was a great series. So, you know, even, even though they're, I, think they're, I think they're one and five against the Braves this year, but I, I don't think that many games have been decided by more than a couple of runs. I, I think, think they are all been one run games.
0: One run. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next question comes from Joey Gaditza. Joey, gents, this is so fun. Joey says, Wednesday night's game against the Nats, one thing glaringly stood out to me. One through nine in the lineup. Everyone got at least one hit. How do you prepare for a lineup like that? They keep, they keep rolling reds, baby. I guess is what he's speaking in Canadian now. I'm not sure what that meant. but <laughs> um, And I don't know if really that we've sort of talked about that. That's what's been amazing is that there are no weak spots in this order, except for sometimes the number three spot in the order for some reason. Or, or um, when Newman's leading off. Well, that's, yeah, when David Bell does that. And even, I, I joked about India hitting third, but, you know, It's not really a weak spot either. His numbers are average. It's not like he's, or maybe slightly above average overall. It's not like he's killing the team. Um, So, Andrew Andrew Williams Williams. throwing out out there real quick. That
1: uh, Tyler Stevenson, by the way, is back. Eight fifty OPS over the last month.
2: He's He's still a terrible defensive catcher. Ball's there he is. Bill, Bill to... has arrived. Bill has ball, entered the chat. Ball, he can't handle a ball in the dirt. <laughs> he can't get them long legs down and block a... Oh, my Lord. Question question for you guys, though, talking about the lineup. <laughs> and, and, and going back, I'm going to go back to Benson for a second. Before the end of the season, will he be playing every day?
1: No. Should he be will he be? Your different
0: question.
2: Yes, they are.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's a spot for him, unless some some people get hurt
2: every day. I mean, you, think, you think you think Fraley or, or, or Senzel is going to play? Assuming one of them or both of them aren't traded, but you think they're going to play against left-handers? No, no matter what. Well,
0: against left-handers. I, I don't know, but you're talking about playing every day against lefties and righties.
2: That's what I'm talking well, about. If Benson, well, the only way he could play every day is if Fraley or, or Senzel weren't playing or Newman, depending on Well, no,
0: you're outfield Fraley, Friedel, and Steer. So, uh, you know, those are the guys that he'd be having to take at bats from, right? No.
1: The question would be if Benson takes, if he's going to start getting lefty on lefty
2: at bats. Yes, that's my question. And I don't, I don't know where you. Where you fit him in? Well, I mean, but, but, I mean, when he's on the bench right now, most nights, Sinzel is 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 playing for him, yeah. or Fraley is playing for him. I don't think David Bell is going to forego the the love,
1: the passionate, passionate, zesty, spicy love affair he has with the Sinzel platoon splits. Okay, yeah, I think he should. Will, Will Benson has has really good looks and polished at bats against lefties these last couple of weeks. And I would love to see him get a lot more opportunities against lefties. I would love to see Joseph, Daniel freaking Votto get more opportunities. And I would also like to see Mr. Reverse Platoon himself, T.J. Friedel,
0: stay at the top of the lineup against lefties, who he matches. Yeah. Uh, we're good vibes only here, so I'm not going to uh, rail on sorry, David Belfort's ridiculous pinch hitting of, for Votto, but refusing to pinch hit for Kevin Newman. Just, with, with, with Votto and Benson available to – against a right-handed pitcher, uh, letting Kevin Newman bat and hit it at old play. We're not going to mention that, though.
2: I was going to ask you about David Bell's, the, the, you know, sometimes that he manages like it's a little league, like everybody has to play. Everybody has to play. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and it's true, though. I'm,
1: Mostly, glad that, my, um, I'm glad that we're not mentioning, mentioning the time that David Bell did not pinch hit for Kevin Newman with Joey Votto and Will Benson on the bench against the right-handed hitter. We should not mention the time that David no. Bell did not pinch
2: it, And then took him out the next inning. Literally, the top yeah, of yeah.
1: the. Yeah, you're right. We should <laughs> also not mention that. Yeah,
2: yeah we're not, not going to mention <laughs> Okay, we're not
0: moving on, moving on. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Andrew Williams. Good news, Andrew says. You're guaranteed that the Reds will get the pitching. Oh, good. But there's a catch. Oh,
2: Andrew. There's always a catch. Always a catch. You have to fill
0: another roster spot with one of the following who will make a significant amount of appearances the rest of the way. Now, this is a ludicrous question. And I love it dearly because it's something it's just uh, it's uh, it's the this is the quintessential viewer mail question. It's right up our alley. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. It it couldn't happen. And I love it. I adore it. So thank you, uh, Andrew. So you have to fill the roster spot with one of the following who's going to pitch a significant number of times the rest of the way. 2022 Hunter Strickland. (laughs) 2021 Sean Doolittle. Or 2014, 2015. JJ Hoover, no baseball reference lookups. He, he suggests uh, this is an easy one to me, but um, either either of you have a
2: have a quick answer. I'll take JJ Hoover because he's old and his arm will fall off. <laughs> he's old.
0: Okay. It's
2: old. He, he's old. I she- I, I, I'm turning 65 tomorrow, just to say, let everybody know. Oh. Speaking of old.
1: I'm going to go with, uh, happy birthday tomorrow, Bill. Thank one. you, bro. It's going to be rude of me. But, um, I'm going to go with Sean Doolittle because if he's awesome, we like it when UVA players are awesome. If he's terrible, we get to give Chad a hard time because his UVA guy is being terrible. That's it.
0: Sean so is the answer. Yeah. Win win for everybody. Make fun of Chad or,
2: hey, get a good picture.
0: All well, you right.
2: You could do both. You could get a good picture and still make fun of Chad.
0: That's generally what happens here
2: <laughs> on this show.
0: James Urban has a uh, request that I think all of us are going to jump on board. Can we skip the all-star break and just keep on rolling? This team is special. Yes. The answer is yes, we can skip the all-star break. We have to convince the other 29 teams to do that though. And that might be difficult. Uh, And we started to touch on this a minute ago, six consecutive games coming up against the second place Brewers. The Reds have a chance to put some distance between them and Milwaukee anyway, um, and, you know, the, the, the Cubs and Pirates are eight games back, so they're they're not threatening right now. This is a real opportunity. None of this is must win. We're still July. But what an opportunity to create a little bit of distance. What well, if, if they can win four out of those six, all of a sudden, we, uh, well, we got a five-game lead at that point, a uh, four-game lead. I can't do mm-hmm. math. Math is hard. Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if they just win two out of three this weekend, the
1: vibes are going to be
2: immaculate. On the road, which where they've been playing very, 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 very well.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And then when two out of three at Milwaukee, and then we come home after the All Star break. Get the Brewers at home. Now the Reds been playing great on the road, but oh man, it'll be rocking. It'll be rocking. It'll be disappointing how uh, Alexis Diaz though will, will have come back with a without an arm or something because he pitched six innings in the All Star game. He won't be able to
1: pitch That's until the only- September.
0: The only, the only argument for the
1: All-Star break at this point is to get that bullpen and Alexis Diaz a freaking rest, man. Yeah. Well,
2: I'm glad the, the Brewers uh, manager isn't the head of the All-Star team. <laughs> there you, know, you go. You know, Diaz start and pitch a complete game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike Perry. Mike Perry, who deserves more credit for the team's success? David Bell or Nick Crawl? David Bell or Nick Crawl? who deserves the most uh, more credit? for the Reds' success this year? My answer is neither. I mean, if I have to choose between those two, I will. But my answer is Cincinnati's player development team. Um, You know, it, it, they, they really revolutionized it under Dick Williams a, a couple of years ago. And what they've done to get these guys ready this quickly, I think there needs to be some more written and more, more talked about, about the player development um, group in the Cincinnati because... This doesn't just happen. This this number of guys coming together at the exact same time. So that's what I would say. But if I had to pick between Crawl and, and Bell, I, I say Nick Crawl. I mean, he went out and got a bunch of these guys. Not all of them, you know. Uh, some of them he inherited, but I have trouble giving David Bell. I think David Bell has done a better job than he gets credit for managing his bullpen because they've been. Fine most of the season, and they've not. There are no names out there hardly except for Alexis Diaz. I think he's done way better than people tell him, Expe- have uh, given credit for it with that. Everything else, you know, this is the first season since he's been manager that the Reds have outperformed their Pythagorean expectation. Go look at what, what that is, but it's a basic way to tell how, how good a team actually is based on runs scored and runs given up. This is the first time they've ever outperformed under his watch, so I have trouble giving David Bell a whole lot of credit for a lot. I've always said he's uh. Just an average manager. Some of the nonsense with pinch hitting lately has caused me to lose faith that he's even that. But that's my long-winded answer to say, Nick Crawl, I guess.
1: Yeah, the only thing—the only thing I'll add to that is uh, to agree with Nick Crawl, but for a different reason, and that is, Nick Crawl did get us Will freaking
2: Benson.
0: There you go. It's Crawl. It's uh, Crawl.
2: The the. You were talking about the player development staff, though, Chad. Wasn't there a tremendous amount of turnover, though, when Williams left in player development?
0: There were a couple of key, Cal Bode, and then the hitting coordinator left at the exact same time.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But there wasn't a ton. But first of all, they they had put things into place, some of which the Reds reversed course on, according to uh, my independent reporting. Um, But there there weren't wholesale changes, but there were big changes at the top because they didn't believe – in the direction that the Reds are going to be forced to go.
2: Well, and, and, and I'll have to agree with uh, two things I want to say. One about Bell, and everybody talks about it, He's a clubhouse manager. He's really good. to you know, blah, blah. Nobody that's saying that is in the clubhouse. So they don't have any idea what kind of guy he is in the clubhouse, just like I don't, just like you guys. Don't. But, and as much as we have rolled on crawl for the last two and a half years or however long it's been, especially when he made all these trades and, and, and they dumped the payroll last year. Almost every player he brought in has succeeded. They're either succeeding in the minor leagues or they're succeeding at the major league level. You got to give him credit for that.
0: Mike minor would like a word, but yes, no, you're right. You're correct. No, I said,
2: um, that wasn't a, that. Was that a trade or was that a free, a free agent signing? Where I got six million dollars I got to spend. <laughs>
0: So no yeah I think you I think you're right. Let's run through these last two questions here quickly guys as as expected we've gone long because there's a lot to talk about with this team right now. It's fun. Rich Thompson asks this gentlemen since the Reds started this magical run starting in late May early June there have been many highlights. In your opinions, what has been the biggest highlight, biggest moment for the Reds so far leading into the All-Star break? What was the single biggest highlight of the season so far? I've got two. I think I can rank them one and two but um I'll just go ahead and say, here, here are my two. And then you all can jump in with uh, whatever thoughts you have. Give you get a chance to think about it for a moment. My number two, it's almost number one because of how much I am just desperately in love with Will Benson. But when he hit that walk-off home run for his first home run, he turns to the dugout and he slams the bat down. And he is so, its just like a, a catharsis, you know, um, after what he'd gone through early in the season. I love that moment. But to me, the the best moment is Ellie De La Cruz's cycle. Um, Quickest guy to get a cycle. That game, Joey Votto hits two home runs. Just that night. Maybe Ellie Cruz's debut is another one you know, that you talk because that was just incredible. Um, but the, the, the night of the cycle, that's probably my highlight. Nate, what do you think? Uh, Will Benson's walk-off is also my number two.
1: Um, strong case could have been made for the Ellie Cycle Joey two home run game, but I had to follow the last couple innings of that one on game day while I was at a stand-up comedy show. Cooper Powell was not performing. Um, so, I, for me, my number one, though, the, like, the the loudest yell, the most joyous moment for me was Joey Votto going yard in his first game back. All the talk, all the buildup was is, that day. Was, is he retiring? Is he going to ruin the, uh, the chemistry of this team? What are we doing bringing up this old man? And then he shuts everybody
0: up with one swing of the bat, and I lost my freaking mind. Well, oh, and the That's fans chanting, "Joey, yeah. Joey," and the love they showed him that night—it was just, it was, it was magical.
2: It was. Bill, what do you think? Mine would probably be the uh, the, the cycle game. The, I mean, it was on top of the fact the cycle it was an 11-10 game. I mean, yeah. you know, and the, against the Braves. Good times. Those are the two, the two teams I'd like to see playing. Actually, I don't want the Braves in the National League champion. <laughs> I want us against some really terrible team that that knocked the Braves off. Absolutely. And then and then Friday's game uh is a heck of was a, is is up there for me also.
0: Yeah, the Matt McLean, Spencer Steer home runs, uh, and yep. uh Steer walk-off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, there've been a lot of fun moments. All right, last question comes from Brandon Camek. Brandon, I'll save the important question for Chad's return. What in the world is my beer league softball position? I was never assigned one. Am I the mascot or the bat
2: boy? Sits next to me, next to the beer tap.
0: Yeah, that's the most important. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the you're the beer guy. You gotta get the ice to keep the keg cold. Yeah, come on, you're the most important guy on the team. Nate, anything? Brandon, um, if
1: it's true that we never did give you a position, which I think it is, I'm like there was some reason that made sense at the time. But if if it is true, you can be what you can fill out the lineup card, bro. You can do whatever position you want.
0: You pick your own position, absolutely. <laughs> All right, uh, Nate, what else is happening around the riverfront these days? Oh, man, uh, Tim
1: Daniel over there crushing it in the late night reds. I think he's got a pretty pretty special guest on for the Sunday night show. Don't want to jinx it, so we won't say it out loud. But please tune in. They're crushing things over there with that late, uh, that live format. Um, Joe, Greg, ramping things up over there. The riverfront bangle show still kicking butt. And um, we get some new stuff in the merch shop. So definitely talk about that. Go over to riverfrontsensey.com. We've got t-shirts for all of our podcasts. we got beer koozies. We've got all kinds of stuff. We've got the, my favorite, my go-to, my Joey Votto, Appreciate 19 t-shirt.
0: So a lot, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of exciting things
1: happening at the Riverfront.
0: Send us a picture of you wearing a uh, a Riverfront uh, t-shirt at a uh, at a ball game, and we will put it here on – we'll memorialize it here on the YouTube uh, show. Bill, any final thoughts for us?
2: Once again, in their infinite wisdom, the Enquirer ran an article this afternoon, I think, went up online, where they said that the Reds might lose their best pitcher late in the season because they may have to pull him for innings. And Carlos on the Slack channel said that Carlos already said that he's not he's not going to be innings limited. So... The Enquirer once again, got it right again.
0: Excellent. <laughs> Bill using his final comment here to bang on the Enquirer is what we've expected. I love it. Nate, final thoughts? Um, not really, just uh, how much fun is it that we don't even have to have a topic of the week anymore
1: on this <laughs> show? Because we don't have enough time to talk about the fact that Tyler he, he, Stevens has been on a heater for a month. Yeah. now <laughs> We've been getting all these performances up and in the lineup. We don't even need topics. We just wax poetic. For the Reds for 30 minutes longer than we ever used to. I mean, this stuff is fun. I cannot tell you how much fun I'm having. Hope you guys are too. And I hope people that are listening are as well.
0: What a time to be alive, as some people have said. What a time to be alive indeed. Yeah, so many fun things to talk about. We can't fit them all in. Um, That's why we have two uh, Reds related shows at the Riverfront feed every week now. Um, Thanks to all of you for listening to and supporting the Riverfront. Uh, Tell your friends. If you would, that's the, that's the way to grow a podcast. And uh, we have been growing up. And so thanks to all of you for, for helping with that. But tell your friends about us. We're uh, well, as, as I always say, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, just uh, you know, keep it down. Please remember to subscribe to the show, either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and yeah, you know, I don't know, threads probably at some point, whatever new place they're going to have. We're at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms. Actually at Riverfront Cincy on TikTok. If you do the TikTok thing, at Riverfront Scentsy everywhere. And then once again, finally, a huge thank you to our supporters at Patreon.com slash Riverfront This show would literally not be possible without the support of our Patreon family. Come join us. It's fun. Trust me. Go to Patreon.com slash or click the link in the show notes. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Krenchicki and Eli Cash and Ricky Karcher, who a few short weeks ago would have been my Highlight of the year before the Reds decided to be good. For Bill Lack, for Nate Dotson, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.